It ain't that simple, mate. Hello and welcome to It Ain't That Simple, mate, the Bright Hope World podcast. You are here with Fraser Scott and Kevin Honore. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Doing well, Fraser. How are you, man? Uh, very good and, and very interested to talk about this uh, subject. Uh, today on this uh, episode, we are talking about five issues you will face in partnering with the poor. Now, uh, of course, one of the things that we've done on this podcast is encourage people who are listening to care about the poor. We we believe that that's a biblical mandate. It's, a, it's important. It's something that defines and has always defined the church. And so this starts to look like maybe we're scaring people off a little bit, Kev. Are we, are we saying here that, uh, you know, you, you uh, are going to get burnt in trying to deal with the poor? What's, what's this about? Why, why raise five big issues uh, that people will face in partnering with the poor? It ain't that simple, it mate. It ain't that simple, mate. It's, yeah, it's quite a difficult thing. I mean, any relationship is hard, right? I mean, even people that are in the same culture, the same socioeconomic level, all those things. You add, you know, the the great disparity between our wealth, economic wealth, and and the, that of other other places. Then it it just adds other other factors into developing relationships and and doing things well. There's, there's a lot of barriers to think through and, and think about and, and grapple with on, on this journey. So we're not saying here that, hey, look, this is this is so difficult that you just shouldn't bother. And we're not trying to scare people off. I suppose this is about saying, hey, look, you know, as we've as we've done it and as if our partners have uh, worked really successfully in engaging with the poor, there's some stuff you need to know. You need yeah, to have your yeah. eyes open going in, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't go in, you know, being naive about things or you know, have rose-tinted glasses on that everything's going to work out and, you know, case or us or it's just go and have a holiday there and, and, and make a difference. It's it's much more complex than that. And, and, and we're just saying, hey, look, some things to think about before you actually get involved in this. And, uh, and uh, yeah. I wonder as well whether, you know, the, the word that comes to my mind is romanticisation. And I think about, you know, sort of the the Western tropes around engaging with the poor. Uh, and even that movie, like, you know, The Blind Side, where if you just give a person that one opportunity, you know, the the, the homeless person that's, that's sleeping in the public park, if you just kneel down and talk to them and say, look, can I buy you lunch? Then it's going to turn their life around. And it was just that one little hand up that was needed to make all the difference and then the problem solved. And you walk away feeling really good about yourself because you've made a difference. This this is part of the problem, isn't it? Is we have this expectation of a quick response, uh, immense gratitude and a real payoff for yeah, us. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, and, and you know, we, we kind of think that, that – that everybody wants to change or be like us or, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors in there that, that, that have to be thought about, um, teased out, understood, listened to, and, yes, it's just not simple. It's right, well, let's let's crack into our five uh, issues with uh, issue number one uh, in partnering with the poor. You need to understand that genuine relationships take time. And, and, you know, we've, we've kind of hammered this point before is that we in the West, and I'm generalizing here, we like things to happen quickly. We like to see fast results. Uh, we, we want um, lives to turn around quickly. We want to see the evidence of the, the impact that we've made quickly. Um, we want change. We want payoff. We want to be feared. But that's not always the case in dealing with the poor, is it, Kev? That, uh, these things take time. Oh, absolutely, they take time. And, uh, I mean, you know, like I said before, any relationship takes time to get to a point where you're actually kind of connecting at the heart level, where there's a, 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 a real genuine relationship happening. It's really easy to, well, let me put it this way, it's really quite easy to be friendly. You know, you can do that quite quickly. I can do that on the first time I meet you. But to become friends, that requires time interaction do you do you need i mean if you're if you're trying to help someone in poverty do you need to be friends do you, do you need a depth of relationship can you can you help someone at, at at arm's length from a distance well if you have a shallow understanding of 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 what the help you know is and what help looks like yeah i mean you could write a check out on day one and give them some money but has that helped do you understand 
you know what you're doing what what their issues are um and so so yeah it does it does take time and it's one of one of the observations we would make is that you know a lot of a lot of the reasons why a lot of money has been wasted in the whole development aid sector is because you know agencies from the west are working with people they don't know they they think they know them but they are pretty naive if they think that everybody's genuine sitting at the th- you know across the desk um so you, you i mean what what you're saying there is in order to really impact people in in poverty it is a relationship it takes time to develop and it's it's got to be genuine um and and have some substance in order to make that real difference i mean you, you know when you extrapolate that out that says quite a a lot it says Hey, if we're going to make a, a, a decent dent in poverty, there's, there's got to be a lot of us doing this sort of stuff. Mm, it can't yeah. be me trying to have relationships with a hundred different people. Um, it, it also means that it is going to take time, and I think particularly with some of the experiences with people at, at you know the, the bottom socioeconomically, they're probably a little less trusting. They've probably been a bit hurt. They've probably got some problems we don't necessarily understand. This is quite a hill to climb, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen, a lot of listening needs to happen, a lot of building trust. Because you can you can sign a document saying, yeah, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to spend the money or, or whatever. But but if you don't trust them, how do you know that that's actually what's going to happen? It's just a piece of paper with a, with a bit of ink on it. It's just of no value at all. And so to get to, you know, to, get to the point where deep development you know that that i would say that that kind of like uh you know that real transformation of of people's worldviews is, is going to happen if that's where you want to get to then you just have to know the people you're working with you, you can't get away from that because let me put it this way an organization doesn't change people's lives people change people's lives and so you know, you have to push past all of the stuff that's around the person, get to the the heart of the thing, and and really uh, understand it, and and then decide whether whether this is a go or not, whether these people are uh, have the capacity that they say they have, whether you trust them enough, whether they trust you enough to to be able to do this together. Um, so, yep, it's. Uh, you just got to take the time, and, and and from our point of view, the the I guess the thing the the real advantage we have in here is that when we go into developing relationships with people, we don't have a donor sitting over our shoulder putting the pressure on us to have to speed up the relationship. But um, because how we operate is we we just genuinely go in looking for people. Uh, of goodwill, and we we just take the time. We we're not thinking how quickly can I engage here. We're not thinking how much are they going to need, or you know that doesn't enter the there's the, the discussion to quite a long way down the process. So we're just genuinely trying to make friends with people and understand where people are coming from. And it's not until we've actually developed this partnership and it's already been operating for a while that, that a donor might come in, and that could be five years later, um, you know, from the time we first met these people. I mean, you know, if I think in three different contexts on this, there's um, our partners in, you know, a place like Zambia, let's say. So these are people who have grown up in a community, you know, they they know the issues pretty intimately, um, they may have lived the issues, you know, yeah. the, the kind of worldview issues. And, you know, perhaps they, their life is somewhat turned around by a, a faith experience and they turn back to the community. Well, it's less of a distance to travel. And then there's us going in and connecting with our partners. So that's, that's a massive cultural distance. But often there's a shared worldview, um, you know, a shared focus, a shared desire to address poverty, and a shared faith, a shared faith. Uh, you know, we we probably have a shared understanding of the timeframes. Um, you know, and, and but let's put it into a third context, which is, you know, your person in your average Western church. That I mean, you know, where we sit here in Christchurch, uh, next to the train tracks, and, and you may hear that in the background every now and again. Um, and just across the train tracks, you know, there's a little park where homeless people are, are you know, often found. Yeah. 
And, you know, you sort of think, okay, well, maybe I'd like to go and walk around the corner and talk to these people and try to, you know, address their situation. That's probably the biggest cultural socioeconomic gap of all three of them. You know, these are people who have life experiences that I can't even begin to understand. I, you know, it might be substance abuse, alcohol abuse, you know, sexual abuse, all of these sort of things that I don't understand. Like, how, how can you possibly traverse that gap? How can you possibly do that? Very difficult. Very difficult from, you know, if you're from outside or not from within put it that way it's it's about because it's, it's not just about empathy that's required i mean even do i even speak their language how, how do i you know if, if i go to another culture i could live there for 10 years and learn the language but still not have enough to be able to understand their heart you know because when, once you once you get down into the deep parts of a person's experience they'll be using a language that that is it's just you know they, we tend to use the term mother tongue it's it, it's it's very much like that and, and and so yeah you just really if if you want to do deep mind change or mind worldview change you've got to have local people doing it so you want people that are as close to the problem yeah, as possible yeah. I mean that's why I sort of think you know I know a couple of people who are evangelists that had. Um, drug addictions when they were younger they're awesome at it they're awesome at bridging that gap because they're like yeah I've been where you are mm. I mean is that, is that kind of the part I mean certainly it's the bright world model isn't it I mean you know, we're, we're partnering with people who are from those communities from those it's, communities and may have been you know one of those people once um, or that person that they're dealing with is their cousin or their their niece or nephew you know um, just just like those guys in Lira you know that um we've been partnering with for years now 15 years where you know it was their families that were members that were carted off by the LRA and put into be turned into child soldiers and rescued and well they've got a vested interest in in making that work and and they're doing it in ways that I wouldn't even dream about I mean I I couldn't even attempt to start so so maybe you know just to, to cap off this um you know first of the issues you face in partnering with the poor you know, we, we've defined it as genuine relationships take time. Perhaps we need to sort of parenthesize it and sort of say, and the further the the person going is from the person receiving, the longer it's going to take. Mm, and, yeah. and and perhaps even you know, putting is ideally, um, you know, like can reach like to some degree best. Yep, and 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 with that, you actually need you know the people that are going that are representing you. Am I talking from this end now? I have to have some nous in this. Mm. And some experience um, have the ability to to listen more than speak, <laughs> uh, to wait for the answer from the previous question, you know, before they formulate the next one, and don't worry about the fact that it might take a couple of minutes of silence. You know, there's a whole lot of dynamics in there that when you go with no agenda apart from just wanting to get to know these people, yeah. So releasing when, uh, as opposed to somebody going with a checkbook in their pocket wanting to give some money away. Well, it's also as well as, you know, it's getting out of that idea that I have something to give, to give or something yeah. offer yeah. here, but say, look, I, I, I just need to spend a good long time just taking in and learning from this person, understanding them, you know, building empathy, all, all the rest of it. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's move on. So we're, we're talking about the uh, the five issues you'll face in partnering with the poor, the first one being genuine relationships take time, and then we've added in uh, brackets, and the, the further you are from that person's life experience, the longer it's going to take. Uh, second issue is economics is cultural. This is another cultural issue. This is another bridging the gap issue. And this comes down to the fact that uh, how we view money in Western culture is not necessarily the way everyone else views money, and potentially even within Western culture, um, different different people, different backgrounds have different understandings of money and the obligations that come with that. Tease us out, Kevin, and give us some examples. How, how does this play out in partnering with the poor? Yeah, it's it's really a, an important aspect of it. I mean, you know, as you say, every every culture is different in regard to this. I mean, some some cultures think quite similarly to us about about how money works and that and they're from you know a more developed country a more de- uh, 
and, and, and in some cases, our Western view of money is is founded on some of some of their ancient. Let's set a baseline here. Yeah. D- describe how we view money in the West. Let, let's give us a sense of what, what is we're a commodity about. we would use to to achieve some some sort of outcome that that benefits us. And we we view a lot of things like that. And, and so you know, we just use land as an example. Well, we're going to come back to that in another another um, uh, podcast. But but you know. Land is a for us is a commodity. We want to use it in the West. We we um, we use it. We develop it. We sell it. We trade it. We upgrade it. You so know. it's a currency for a currency, personal yeah. advantage. Yeah, we, we acquire. Yeah. We build. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but for most in most cultures, it's it's not at all. It's about identity. It's about history. It's about ancestors. It's about who I am and 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 why I exist in this in the world. And so, you know, there's, there's immediately there's a there's a there's a clash of ideology. There's a major you know barrier that has to be thought about and worked through. And so, you know, the big thing in the in this area that that is probably you know quite different. Uh, for us compared to to most cultures is 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 around the expectations that that well, let me put it this way every relationship has some financial implications in in most cultures so if i'm your friend then there's a financial aspect to that so if if we're friends I've got money, you don't. The expectation is you're going to give me some money. I'm going to share, you, so yeah, share yeah. that money with you. Well, why would you? We're friends. That's, that's what friends do. Now, we don't think about like, like that in the no, West. We keep them very separate, don't we? We keep them very separate. Mm. In fact, you know, they're almost like oh, you would never talk about people's money and what they have and how much they've got in the bank and you know, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's very powerful private and, 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 and in the hidden part of our lives. We, in fact, some, you know, some married couples don't even know that <laughs> but about each other. No, just joking. But, but you know, it has, it's just an open book over there. And so, like, if, if, you know, somebody gets some benefit for some reason, um, like, for example, somebody gives them a sheep to put in the freezer – then of course uncle's going to turn up and stay until the sheep is finished. So what, what does that mean? You know, as we go to partner with the poor, and you know, I've travelled with people, and they, you know, they they start talking about money, and and you know, or they they'll identify one group and say, well, I'll fund that group, not the other group. How can we get this wrong from a Western perspective when we partner with the poor? What what are the, what is the sort of issues that we can create? Yeah, we can we can we can go like not. Not really wanting to give, or to be able to give the least amount we can to solve the problem, and 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 and, uh, or we can be offended by the fact that people ask for money. That's the almost the most common thing I would see for people with the, with people that go, well, he's cheeky guy, he's, you know, he's asking for money, and he hardly knows me. Well, you've turned up and indicated that you're willing to give. What well, what else? You know, and it's obvious you've got stuff. I remember a story from when we lived way back in Africa. This couple came through and stayed with us for a couple of nights, and they were they were anthropologists going out to do some study, and they were criticising and you know Westerners, the mission agencies and mission stations out there in the West, and how much they have, and they don't give enough to the poor people there, and all that kind of stuff. And and they went off, and they came back about six months later, and I said, "Well, how'd you get on?" And they said, "Oh, yeah, we have to apologise for what we said." And I said, "Well, what, what do you mean?" And they said, "Well, we got to the village, and we had two saucepans to cook our food, and they were, they were going to live with the local people." And um, people looked at them, and they got there, and they opened up their packs, and they said, "You've got two saucepans." <laughs> it's like they only had one for their old family, and these people bought two, and already there was a barrier there just because you know and. And so um, I said, "Did you, well, did you give them their sauce, your saucepans? No, no, we still got our saucepans. Well, you're as much a problem as these other guys. <laughs> you know, it's like the expectation is that that you're going to share because you've got something they don't have. And and of course, later on, when you don't have something, that's you're free to go and eat uncle's sheep that's in the freezer. Well, as it's well. it's that stuff that we just don't see. I mean, you know, culture is somewhat invisible to those who possess it, isn't it? You know, and and you know, I think when I take a team. Um, you know, to, to visit partners in some of these places. One of the things I always say is, look, you know, if you say to 
partner. And it seems to us just a, a completely innocuous sort of question. If I gave you $10,000, what would you do with it? And, you know, that's the sort of thing that you might ask in New Zealand or the US, Australia. And someone sort of says, all right, well, I'm, you know, this is all just hypothetical. But to a lot of the people we deal with, that's not hypothetical. They're, they're now expecting they're going to get $10,000. Oh, and, yeah. you know, it's very easy to be careless, isn't it? Very easy. And, 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 and in this area, you know, we often think hypothetically and we ask, those, we have those hypothetical conversations. But, but a lot of people don't, don't do that. They don't have the nuanced understanding of how, of how we talk about, about things. And, and we, we, I've seen this happen. So many times, you know, using the, the sort of thing you've talked about. So you, you've you've got to be really careful when you go about what you're saying and what you're not saying. So very often, you know, the last thing I'll say to somebody, especially early on in the in in the relationship, is I'll say, "Well, this is what I haven't said." That'll be the last thing I do before I leave. There's this yeah. is what I have not said. I have not promised this. I've not said this. Um, you know, so that it's very clear about. But end of the day if you're going to genuinely get involved it's going to cost you something because you have stuff that they don't have and they need um so don't be shocked if they ask they're not afraid to, to ask for it is, is a dose of collective thinking you know to our very individualistic western minds is, is that sort of useful to think that um you know in their view you are in possession of all these resources that belong to all of us, all of us collectively. Yeah. And and isn't there some truth to that from a oh, biblical perspective? Oh, sure, totally, there is. I think yeah, we, we've got so much to learn about this this type of thing. I just love you know Second Corinthians. It's, it's a fantastic book, especially like eight, nine, ten, or through there, where, where Paul talks a lot about about this thing. You know, and he, and, and he basically says there's got to be equality. So if I've got something. The expectation is that it belongs to all of us. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share it. I'm gonna, gonna let others, you know, use it. And, um, and yeah, we, we just, we have to, we have to go with a different mindset about this stuff. Um, there's a great book you, you need to read if you're interested in this stuff. Um, it's called Africa Friends and Money Matters. Mm. It's just in some cases that I, I know I've, I lived in Africa for a while, and when I first saw this, got this book, and I started reading. I'd be sitting on the chair and like laughing to myself. Well, quite actually, sometimes out loud because I could. I. I. It was telling me what. What. It was like. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me, kind of thing. And it. And it's really. A, I think it's a hundred different ways that that Africans think about money as as opposed to Westerners. And and it's a really valuable tool to 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 kind of have a look at and. And I think, think it, it, there's such differences. Even I, I know when I go to the, the States and some of our, you know, friends in the States will be listening to this and I, I can't pay for anything. And, you know, to, to a New Zealander, you know, it's like we've got to reciprocate. You know, if you, if you pay for me, I've got to pay for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the States, it's blinking impossible. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you have that sort of money culture clash even among two Western cultures. Yes, you yeah, imagine what it's like in Africa. It's, it's, it's an entirely different view. One of the ones that I, makes me to giggle as I think about it from the, from the book, is, and, and, and you'll see this, for anyone that's travelled will, will see this, is that if somebody's got a, a shop and they're going to sell stuff, uh, you know, there's no fixed price on it. So they're sitting there watching you, looking at you come, and they're assessing your ability to pay. <laughs> and, how, and so so when you ask how much is this, they've already worked out, you know. Now, they're just as likely if a beggar comes past to give it to somebody, yeah. to, to, that, to that guy, uh, because they're, they're not selling it to you based on a cost plus, you know, basis. They're selling it on your their perceived their perception of how much you can pay for it. Equity versus equality. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, just just even that little thing helps you understand the, the the you know massive difference between how and we see it a lot when we're asking partners to put a budget together oh my goodness it's hilarious you know there'll be all of the costs there there won't be one reference to any income on the budget and when you when you you know, understand what's happening. You can understand why. I mean, because yeah. in some cultures, you know, the the sale price is actually fixed by the by the either the local economy or or the, or the government will tell you what you're selling it for. Uh, they can't go out and find even a, a true cost of of what all the inputs are going to be. So there's a sense in which you're you're buying your your inputs on the 
on the open market, but you're having to sell at a fixed at a fixed price. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's, there's no margin in there, <laughs> in, in there at all. So they they look at you and say, you can't work out what 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 you're going to sell this for. Well, well, I'm sorry. You have if you're going to do a budget. You have to be able to. Yeah, and you've got to be a bit flexible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, there's there's a whole lot of stuff there that that you just have to get your head around. <laughs> hey, let's take a break, uh, Kev. We'll um, then uh, come back and talk about the remaining uh, three issues we have. We are talking about five issues you will face uh, in partnering with the poor on It Ain't That Simple, Mate. We will be right back. It Ain't That Simple, Mate is brought to you by Lamai Coffee. Lamai Coffee is the finest quality organic Arabica coffee from the northern hills of Thailand. We at Bright Hope World import the green beans into New Zealand and we roast them to perfection, then sell them to discerning coffee drinkers. We're all volunteers on the team, so all the profits go back into great community projects in Thailand, and that is why we call it the world's best tasting act of kindness. You can order Lamai coffee or find out more at lamai.co.nz. It ain't that simple, mate. Welcome back. You are with Fraser Scott and Kevin Honore on It Ain't That Simple, mate, the Bright Hope World podcast. And today we are talking about five issues you will face in partnering with the poor. And we have talked about um, the first issue, that genuine relationships take time. You can't be in a hurry. Genuine relationships do indeed take a good long time to develop. The second issue is that economics is cultural. People think about money differently, and that carries with it all kinds of hooks and issues and and challenges, and we need to understand uh, how different cultures might view the checkbook in our pocket. The third issue, Kev, is uh, success means different things to different people. I think this is really interesting that when when we go in and we're looking to partner with the poor, we often have a sort of fairly fixed idea in our head as to what's going to happen. Maybe we agree on a, a particular type of project or intervention and we're looking for some very specific things. But it may be that the people that we're partnering with have a pretty different idea of what success will be. Uh, unpack that a little bit for us. Uh, yeah, this is uh, really inter- interesting. We, we have very, uh, from, the, from the West, you know, everything is able to be measured in terms of metrics. You know, we put this much in, we expect this much out. Um, we did this, we, we want to see this many you know, people help. We want to see um, this happening, this happening. And we've got our list already defined before we before we even get involved but but for most people in most cultures uh, the the outcomes they're looking for will be much more relational will be much more um, in the in the kind of the immeasurable kind of kind of uh, sphere uh, and so you know if if we're just still alive then that's that's kind of really that's a good start <laughs> that's a good start yeah and, and so it's it's really important that that as as part of this setup of a of a partnership or a project, that that you do talk about expectations so that you understand how they're thinking about about something. Now this you know has can have implications in terms of money and so you know you can for example say well this is what we're going to do yeah yeah we're going to do this and this is how much we're going to put in and yeah yeah, yeah. And by the time the money gets there the whole thing's changed and so they're doing something quite different because. Well, we were going to buy fish, but then they closed the lake down, and there's no fish available. So now we're selling clothes. Um, well, I mean, the whole thing's completely different, you know. But w- what are they supposed to do? R- wait for you, you know, to send you an email and get your permission, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's all that kind of stuff. That's is, is there a different time orientation? I mean, you know, we're looking for. You know, sort of the, the you know build the big thing over time, and you know a linear sort of um, return on investment and all that sort of thing. How is that time orientation different in some of the places that we work? Well, ma- many of them are not worried about the time it's going to take. I mean, what's the difference between one year and two years? It's only like one year, um, <laughs> and and so so you know we have to take a step back on this and, and say, is there progress? 
that's the thing. And and if if you know we're expecting the progress to be ten and it's five, well that's fine. It's more than it was, you know. And and, and we just have to be willing to to sink in with the rhythms of of that place and and how that place operates. Is is it even that? Because I mean I think of some of our partnerships and and the you know the one in Chava in Northern Zambia particularly comes to mind where you know it starts at a point it it sort of goes off the the cliff and it's you know for a good long time it's it's not going that well then all of a sudden it clicks into gear and away it goes so you know that may come as a surprise to us not necessarily to them that things may get worse before they get better yeah yeah very much so um yeah I mean we're really good at planning you know this is the way it's going to be there's step one this will take this much resource and because of that it will be this much time and and time is money for us for them is time is not money um when you're living in a peasant environment that's just the mindset the the, the, the difference in mindset so so you got you got to be just got to step right back and say well, this is their project it's not our project we don't have any projects right we have some partners we trust our partners they want to see this happening now, if I really trust them, if it takes one year or two years or three years or five years, it doesn't matter. Why is time so important as long as we achieve the outcome? You know, we seriously, I mean, time is an invention of a human invention in a sense. Uh, and so it's a cultural thing. That, and, and so there's a whole you know, potential for a lot of I would say um, misunderstanding around this stuff. So, so yeah, we we just really have to work at, at, at getting as close as we can to understanding each other's expectations, allowing them to just do their thing, uh, to keep the pressure on because we don't want to see the thing fail. Or we, but 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 we just we still need to keep asking the questions because we're still wanting to achieve a certain outcome. And this, you know, it emphasises again the importance of relationship and trust that, you know, we, we might not fully grasp those expectations and, and so we might be inclined to panic and go, oh my goodness, it's all going wrong. But if we trust the partner, then we can say, all right, I'm, you know, I'm feeling a bit nervous here, but I believe in you, I believe in what you're doing. I've seen your track record, I know who you are, so I'm going to hang on by my nails and, and ride this out. Um, and, you know, I think f- from our perspective, if we didn't have that, how many things that turned out wonderfully would we have bailed on because they started to you know get the speed wobbles? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, we <laughs> the one in Charba is an example, a classic example of that. And I keep thinking, Fraser, when I'm looking at you about the one in Pakistan, you know, the Friends Fashion Centre. I, I think we've humiliated me enough on, oh, okay, on that we one. We won't go yeah. there. <laughs> Needless to say, this is the partnership if you you would have heard in a previous one where. <laughs> I, I predicted doom and gloom, um, you know, on, on the basis of generally accepted accounting principles. If if your expenses are many times larger than your income, at some point it needs to fall over. And yet, ten this, years later, this partnership has defied gravity, <laughs> and for some reason, it's still going. So there, there you go. Even, <laughs> even the best amongst us uh, gets that wrong. Not that I'm the best amongst no, us. No, no, of course not. We would never say that forever. No. Okay. Right. Enough. Enough of that. Let's 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 move on before this casts a dimmer light on me. <laughs> okay. So we we're talking about the um the the five issues you will face in partnering with the poor, and these are not that you may face, you're going to face these. Um, Certainly if you're crossing cultures, uh, genuine relationships take time. Economics is cultural. Success means different things to different people. Number four, dependency is a powerful force. And and there's a certain inevitability to this, isn't there? That if, if you get, you know, into this space, if you partner with the poor, that there are some, you know, sort of certain laws of gravity almost that mean unless you're constantly fighting against it, you're going to end up in the dependency space. Isn't that right? It is. It's a, it's a very insidious kind of uh, beast that's always sitting there, ready to pounce, and uh, reveals itself in a number of ways. Well, maybe, maybe first, just you know, for the un- uninitiated, do you, do you want to just unpack, what, what, do we, what do we mean by dependency and why is it a problem? Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's really when, when one one party becomes dependent on the other um and and that could have that could be economically um you know and and i guess most obviously that's that's how we would interpret it where um 
yeah, where the the recipient uh, is kind of becomes like a beggar <laughs> and depends on the other for their sustenance, their daily life, for for everything. But it's it's not just about economics either. It's about information. Um, it's about permission. It's yeah, decision about making, isn't it? Decision making. Um, you know, we'll yeah. wait for Kevin to arrive before we decide what to do next. Yeah. Or for Fraser to pull the plug on our previous project. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's 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 that it's that kind of stuff. And 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 we've noticed, you know, that that proximity. You know, if you're too close to people, I mean, I, I mean, or visiting too frequently, too close, or visiting yeah. too frequently, they'll they'll wait to make the next big decision until you turn up. And so that's why, you know, in, so, in many cases, a year for us in terms of visiting, a year is too frequent. Uh, you know, I've got some partners that we wouldn't visit more than once every three years. Um, and how do you balance that? Because I know, you know, we, we've got some some donors that you know they they really do want us to be. You know, checking in with the partners, you know, personally, you know, every year in terms of accountability, and that's not unreasonable. So, how do you balance that? We we want to we want to have an accountability relationship to some extent, but we also want to give them the space to to retain the initiative and do what they need to do. You know, how do you? Oh, I don't know, line? Fraser. I, yeah. I, 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 we constantly uh, grapple with that one. It's, it's the it's the balance between accountability and trust, and you know all of that kind of stuff, and 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 keeping the keeping the initiative at their end, and not taking it away from them. Yeah, it's it it isn't an easy balance to get right. There's there's, there's a number of factors in there, the two that complicate it. If it's a very large project then like uh, with a lot of resource going in then then accountability be obviously becomes more of an issue than than if it's a very small one in other ca- you know in some cases we would never ever have to go visit really because it's it's quite small it's quite remote the, you know good stuff's happening we know uh, communication's good it, it's just a whole lot of stuff and and you can nowadays you know communication is, is far more effective and, and easy than it ever was uh, and, and you use that stuff to get the balance right um, but you know every partnership is unique and, and so it's, it's different in every partnership yeah I often think that you know going and visiting and looking at the books and that's all the stuff that you know I, I feel comfortable with that's 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 my space and we know how that works out um, it, you know to, to be fair it's not that useful is it really I mean you know there's something to be said for going and actually viewing the results but I think you know from my perspective the most uh, important aspect of accountability is trust that you know if you find the right people for the most part the rest of it will take care of itself and if you don't have the right people you can be breathing down the neck and checking the books you know every couple of weeks it it ain't gonna help no it's not gonna help um I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably 98% trust. And where it goes wrong, you know, when you look at it, mainly in other organisations, it's because they don't know these people well enough that, and there's no real trust there and 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 they've picked the wrong people to work with. And, and, and in that case, the books will balance, but the outcomes won't occur. And, you know, unfortunately for many cases, the organisation is really more worried about the books balancing than they are about the outcomes being achieved. Which is, you know, it sort of turns the whole thing on its head because, you know, we're inclined to want to get started quickly and visit often. But in fact, you know, the the, the, the wisdom seems to be in order to combat dependency to really take your time at the beginning and to, you know, to have the visits and all that sort of thing and then to keep your distance a little bit. And, you know, I, I think, we, you know, we've talked about this in a previous podcast that, you know, one of our partnership facilitators said, look, it's time to come home. He was living in Zambia and said, this is no longer useful for me to be here because the decision's being deferred uh, deferred until they can be checked with me. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've got a partner and that was, you know, working in Thailand, the same thing. There's real wisdom and, and you know, there's, there's selflessness in that because if, if your sense of identity and, and significance is drawn from being in that role, to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm now more of a hindrance than a help, I've got to, I've got to go. Boy, that's, that's tough. Yeah, it's tough and... Uh... But but so important. Dependency's got two two sides to it. One is us going with an attitude that's not right, or putting in place structures that create dependency and you know all of that kind of stuff. And and we can we can do something about that. We can address that because that's that's 
that's us going. That, that's, that's what we're in control of. But the other side of that is that many people that we're working with uh, have a dependency syndrome as well because they've dealt with other agencies. Mm. Um, they may have developed a dependency kind of mindset and, and, and often in countries where there was a great deal of colonialism, you'll, you'll find that, that that's, that's the environment they grew up in. So that's, that's what they've got. They almost got that from you know, with their mother's milk kind of thing. And so you have to, you have to be there long enough to, to have pushed through that and, and work through that before there can be a mutuality of, 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 of understanding around, around you know, expectations. Well, and, 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 and that's and, where it connects with expectations because if, if you're going to fight dependency, you've got to give permission to, hey, you make the call, and that might mean that the call is wrong. And you might know it's going to be wrong. But if you want to build a long-term relationship, you've got to be prepared to, to see go that work, happen. You've got to go through that and, and stick with that. And, and in a sense, be willing for it to, to fail. Um, because it's not always it's not always going to, and that's why we do it the way we do. That's why, in a sense, we fund most of these, the early stages of these, on the basis of um, you know our own resources uh, before we bring a donor into this. I'll, I'll tell you a story around that. It's, it's kind of related to the to the um, the economics one as well. Is that we had a partnership that failed, one of the few that completely failed, and. It was in in the southern part of India, at a place called Kola, where there were some gold fields just outside Bangalore. And a partner came to us, a guy we knew really well, we really liked him, and he went out and started this project, and it was great. We were going to start a dairy farm, um, and it, and we got some cows in there, and he started milking the cows, and and immediately they started to contribute to our local school. Uh, they helped them with uniforms, and they started to develop a little computer thing in the school, in the in the state school, in the government school. Uh, but then um, they started producing milk, and and the local mafia controlled the milk, the milk production in that area. And so uh, they didn't like somebody coming in who wasn't part of them, and poisoned the cows, and the cows all died. What do you do? We we still trust that guy. If he came back to us on another project, we, we'd seriously look at it because we really liked the guy. But the project just totally failed, um, and and it wasn't because of anything that he'd done wrong. So yeah, there's there's, there's just a lot of stuff in there that you've you've got to work through, and and you know he he, he was in tears just telling us how you know these. The school kids now aren't getting their uniforms. They're not getting, their, and and we were right only in the early stages. This all happened within a year. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's that whole dependency thing is you're fighting a lot of things that that would 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 uh, that are um, you know in, inherent in that whole dependency thing. And yeah, and I guess I mean, going right from the beginning, say this is going to end up in a dependency relationship. Unless I, you know, actively work against yep. it, just and assuming. Could, that. And you've got to find the right, the right people, people that that'll tell you the truth, people that'll that are wanting to make a difference, people that aren't, you know, they're, they're not kowtowing to you, they're not, they're not beggars, they're just, you know, and then this, you know, flops over into the the next one we're going to talk about. It's it's good, isn't it, when you you strike those partners, and there are a few of them that will just tell you you're wrong. That yeah. no, you got to. Yeah, no, I mean, no. that's when you know, okay, this has reached a maturity. Yep. Yep. Okay, that is um, issue number four. Dependency is a powerful force. Um, I'll just go back and, and recap. Number one, genuine relationships take time. Number two, economics is cultural. Number three, success means different things to different people. Number four, dependency is a powerful force. And the last one on our list of issues that you will strike in um, partnering with the poor, money corrupts. Now, Kev, we've already sort of talked about um, money a little bit and the, the different views it has. But I suppose this is that point end, isn't it? That when, you know, money enters into the uh, relationship, it causes mm. issues. Talk a bit about that. What, what does that look like? Yeah, well, you know, if you're dealing with a community or people that haven't had much money, you know, the 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 dollar is becomes a very powerful thing. And and, and you have to go with this awareness as well that, you know, a dollar can make a big difference positively or negatively. And the way you apply that 
makes a difference in terms of how uh, what sort of outcome is achieved. So you just have to understand that, that having a dollar and them not having a dollar gives you a great deal of power and, and you have to be able to handle that with, with a lot of, with a lot of uh, wisdom. And, and, and that's why for us, money isn't the front end of the isn't at the front end of the conversation. I mean, I sometimes say this, but and, I, and I, it's it's not it's not necessarily accurate. But if there are ten things that make up a you know a priority list, money's probably six or seven or eight yeah. on the list. It's certainly not one, two, or three. But this, the, uh, you know, this is that cultural thing again. We we see this as the tool in our tool belt. We have money. I mean, we don't necessarily understand the local issues. We don't necessarily know the people terribly well. We may not have experienced poverty. We may not uh, be particularly adept at figuring out how to battle it. But by goodness, we've got money. And so, you know, we tend to arrive in these places. And I'm talking internationally, but it may even be into, you know, local, the poorer areas of a city, for example, Mm And we we have our checkbook. I say checkbook. When's the last time you wrote a check? I knew you have a check. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Don't have we, money in our we, pocket. We have oh, our, when did you have money in your pocket? <laughs> we have our credit card. <laughs> we wave it around and we go, okay, uh, here I here I go. I'm going to solve poverty, and money is the currency by which w- we do that. But this is a problem, isn't it? Because it, you know we've talked about this before. It's not that useful. In, in really addressing poverty, unless it's applied just at the right time in the right, the right time, way, in the right way, and, and it's, it, if if people are thinking that way, then their their understanding of poverty is is inadequate. And it's, that's why we keep coming back to, you know, this this you have to understand what poverty really is and, and why we define it the way we do. Um, and so that you know, when money enters the the equation, and, and it needs to, because there are economic implications of poverty. I mean, it's, that's how it shows itself, most, most obviously in many cases. But, you know, if, if, if that's the entry point, then it's, it's doomed for failure. The, the intervention is doomed for failure, um, to fail. So, so we just have to, we have to go with a lot of wisdom. That would be my, my thinking around that. And Well, I think of that old saying, was it uh, Augustine who said, um, you know, uh, share the gospel, if necessary, use words. It's a little bit like fight poverty if necessary. Use money. It's, it's a double, you know that, that we've got to understand that it sits within a context. It's not the the pointy end. It, it, it's just to you know reinforce all the things I suppose one is doing you know relationally and in a community and and um, you know keep keep the checkbook in your back pocket for as long as possible. Yeah, and and then there's, a, there's another thing in this as well is that you know most people that are, have got a project that they want to do. Um, will have will have it to the uh, they'll have developed that and it'll be you know really valuable important to them and it'll be quite big often and and it'll be uh, you know I want to send a thousand kids to school how do you start that and grow that that's, that's really an important part so that we can't start with a thousand kids but but how do we get to a thousand kids over the next five years or whatever you know um, yeah. It's 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 what are what are the realistic steps for starting something? And and I've said this and probably on one of the podcasts before, but but you know the the temptation is to is to go in and solve the problem with money. But but we need to be to be able to to think through the 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 first step, the second step, the third step, and, and grow it over over a period of time so that so that their capacity is growing as as the the project grows um, because if it's just an idea and in many cases you know what they, where they want to get to where their dream is is is, a, is 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 quite large if it's just an idea then then it, it, there's there's so many things that will cause that idea to fail mm-hmm. um, things that are out of their control things that they haven't foreseen and and one of the big ones will be their capacity to manage a thousand kids I mean their capacity may only be you know 50 well we we will stop when we get to 50. <laughs> well I think you know at a, at a practical level you know think about how we play this out and, and you know you're spending a couple of years usually developing relationships yeah. before we start a partnership but even then even after all that due diligence when we start it's you know might be 2,000 that we're investing in it and this might be someone who sort of says hey look 
you know, I want to I want to get rid of poverty in my country, and we start. Oh, here's two thousand dollars, but it's recognizing that we want to start small, and you know, we're quite comfortable to stay small, but certainly growth needs to be slow and manageable, and so that people don't quickly reach that you know, capacity, and the whole thing falls over. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, it's so important. And we would say, you know, start small, stay for a long time, rather than jump in there big and and make something happen. Um, like the tortoise in the hare. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing, Fraser. Yeah, we're all about the tortoise. <laughs> hey, we, uh, we'd we better draw it to a close there, Kev, but, um, yeah, some really interesting ideas here. And, and you know, be reminded that we, uh, while we talk in the context of, you know, crossing to the other side of the world and addressing poverty, these same things apply, whether you are, um, you know, going into Africa or you're going to that part of your city that's struggling or, or indeed just around the corner. So the, the, the principles will hold uh, to a more or less extent uh, true. Uh, so Kev, any, any final thoughts? So if, if you have to leave people with one thing as they grapple with partnering with the poor, what do, what do you want them to know? Oh, just my, my little phrase I used before, you just got to be wise. You've got to think about things, you know, wisely and talk to people and, and do it well because if you don't, you'll end up hurting people even more. And we just have to we just have to do everything we can not to damage people who have already been damaged. Uh, that, that would be a tragedy. Take your time. Take your time. Do it wisely. Do it well. All right. Well, if you have any feedback for us, any uh, questions, comments, uh, please do send them to us at uh, podcast at brighthopeworld.com. Our website is brighthopeworld.com, and you'll find out all you need to know about us and our partners and some of the people that we talk about uh, on this podcast. And uh, then if you want to make any uh, comments in a public realm, you can do so on facebook.com forward slash bright hope world and we we love to hear about you including any suggestions you have for topics that you would like us to uh, grapple with uh, but for now i am fraser scott here with uh, kevin honore thank you for listening and uh, we will catch you again next time on it ain't that simple mate the bright hope world podcast mm-hmm.